So I have to warn you that you are stepping into a podcast with a person who hasn't slept very much in five days and has not prepared at all and is already at the worn, thin edge of all of his nerves. So good luck to you with this one, Mike. All right, so as we're recording, in case you hadn't already guessed, uh, Gray is in an animation coma, I think. Um, <laughs> coma? Coma would be sweet relief. It's it's all the activity that's the problem. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of what the term would be, right? Because when you're in a coma, you're kind of like stuck, right? There's nothing you can do. You're kind of imprisoned within yourself, I guess, in a way. Right. Uh, and I'm trying to think, like, what the animation is doing to you. Is it like animation jail or something? Like, what? Wh- how would we describe this? You're, you're, I've basically given you sweet relief from animation for an hour or so. The, the only reason I am talking to you right now is because I physically need to take a break. And so you are my, quote, break at the moment. Uh, but yes, what what's the proper analogy? Uh, let's see. Let's try not to not try not to overblow it. Uh, animation sweatshop, maybe. That's a good maybe. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what it is. That's what it feels like. Just to clarify, uh, in case there are any legal representatives uh, listening, it's only grey in this sweatshop, which is something we'll talk about later on, actually. Uh, but right now, the sweatshop consists of only you. There are no other people. Yeah, it's, that you're it's, forcing to do the work. Yeah, it's just. It's just me. I am talking to you from the room in which I have been sitting, mm. uh, looking at my watch now, for four days straight of animation. Um, so yeah, I'm going a little crazy. So basically, the video, the the encryption video that you made, yeah. which will be out by the time this show comes out, this is what you're currently in the midst of creating. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. You say you've been there for four days straight. Like, what is that? Like, are you sleeping in that room? Are you? How many hours are you sleeping? Like, I'm just interested in understanding that this crunch. What is happening here? So what what happens here is this little routine that I've talked about before is that it's for various reasons. I have always just found that the way that I work is just by doing all of the animation in one big go. This is just the way it works for me. This is what sort of takes less time than trying to spread it out. Although there are other reasons why I tend not to spread it out. But what I have done is that I get up. I'm getting up usually around six or so. uh, And I live by timers for the time that I'm animating. So I have a little loop that I just repeat until I fall asleep. And so the timers go 40 minutes, 7 minutes, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, repeat. And so this is what I do. So it's a 40-minute burst of work, a quick 7-minute break, another 40 minutes of work, and then a longer 20-minute break where I'm trying to stand up and maybe get something to eat or take a walk around the block or whatever it is. And so I just repeat that until uh, I go to sleep in the end. So... Uh, I I have been tracking my time and and it's just yeah it's a huge it's a huge number of minutes that are poured into animation over the in, the entirety of the day. This is a horrible way to work. <laughs> but it's only for a short time or at least the, the what ha- what happens what happens is uh I always think like oh this will just be 2 days. But I have been realizing that 
particularly with the last couple of things that I've been working on, they've been slightly bigger, slightly more complicated projects than I originally anticipated. And so while it's like, oh, I'll do this just for two days, this is now turned into like four days. Uh, probably it'll be finished up in, in five actual days and then, then it will be done. But yeah, I don't like it, but this is, this is how the sausage gets made. Right, but there's a problem here. <laughs> there is a significant problem, which is clear to me and I'm sure to you, that is manifesting itself because of these crunch sprints that you do, and that's RSI. You tweeted a couple of weeks ago that you were really struggling with some RSI stuff. And I know from conversations that we've had that it's been particularly bad recently. Mm -hmm. So what is going on here with your RSI? Um, is it any different to before? And what are you doing about it? Yeah, so RSI is the thing that we've touched upon before in this show and, and different ways to try to, to manage it and to deal with it because it's one it's one of these problems like it's an ongoing thing like if if you start to get it you're going to have to manage it over over the long term now what happened to me recently the thing that i tweeted about was when i was animating the previous video which was the the q a video that i put up i don't know like two weeks ago now at the time that we're recording because that video is just very long and because I did have a bit of an advertising deadline that I needed to hit, like I was busy animating that thing as much as I possibly could. And I think in no small part because of a thing that we might uh, touch upon later as well, like I have been sitting at my computer much less than, than normal over the past many months. Like this is a thing that has really escalated. And so now it's a funny situation that when I sit down at my computer, it's a, it's a place where I don't normally sit. And so I think my body is finding itself in this position of like, oh, we don't do this a little bit every day. It, it's now changed to a thing where it's like, we don't normally do this hardly ever. And then suddenly we do this for several days in a row. It's probably like a shock to your system now. I, I think that's what it is. Like I have been finding the last animation and this animation much more physically difficult to do than previous ones. And I really think it's a side effect of just not being at the computer very much at all. So your pain is is in the wrist, right? So I have... <laughs> well, welcome to the Old Men Complaining About Problems podcast. You know, but it's not old, right? Because <laughs> I mean, I've had this problem and, and I'm but a spring chicken. <laughs> You are, Mike. You are mm -hmm. but a spring chicken. <laughs> it affects us all. The thing is, I have, t I have two problems, neither of which are, are fun. The one that I, I worry much more about is that uh, my right hand in particular, because this is the hand I'm using to do the vast majority of my animation, that has a, just a, a kind of stereotypical RSI problem. That after a while, no matter how much I'm switching between uh, the pen tablet and between a mouse and between a trackball, like eventually my three primary fingers, like my index, middle, and, and thumb, and the, the hand itself like can run into pain just hmm. using them. See, my, the pain that I've had in the past was completely localized to my wrist. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like burning pain, yeah, it, like just not, like, not good stuff. Yeah, it, it, it can be bad. And this is, this, this, 
plugs into why uh like I'm I'm so intense about using the Apple Pencil. Like why one of the reasons why I like using that so much on my iPads is because one of the ways that the pain can manifest itself is just in physically touching things. Like so if I'm touching things with the tips of my fingers, that can aggravate the RSI a little bit if it's particularly bad. So being able to indirectly touch something by like holding a pen and then tapping a touch target, like that is that is way better. Mm-hmm. Um but the thing that really caught me out last time, which was a little problem that I have had and that I have tried to manage, but that suddenly became a really terrible problem, was that uh, in on my right arm, on my shoulder blade around there, I guess, I have a kind of muscular problem that has developed, I think, from sitting in chairs for a long time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got, a, I, got a big, I got a big scare for the last video because... I think I had been animating for something like three days and then I woke up in the morning and like, hey, it's six o'clock, like time to go to work. And when I stood up, like I just had like this horrific pain kind of rip through my right shoulder blade. And it was this muscular problem and I just had to not do anything for the whole day. Like I just lost a day of work because it's like, man, I am having a hard time moving around my apartment let alone like sitting at a desk and working all day uh so that was a thing like before it had been like oh i have a small muscular problem in my back that aggravates me sometimes and then it kind of exploded into the like no no you're going to be lying down all day you're going to be doing nothing like i hope you (laughs) i hope you enjoy finishing off this season of standalone complex but like you can do nothing else all day you can't work you're not going to be able to manipulate anything with your right arm. So, RSI, it's been uh, it's been on my mind. It's been uh, it's been not great. So the way that you've rehabilitated with from this injury is by mm-hmm. like one week later, getting back into the animation chair. Okay. Well, first of all, it's like two and a half weeks later that I'm working on another video. Oh well, that's okay. Then. <laughs> yeah, it's per- it's it's perfect. It's perfectly fine. Please let me retract my statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, in, in between those two times, I, I have seen uh, like a massage, like a physical therapist person here in London uh, who was extremely, I've been seeing her for maybe about a year to try to help deal with this one problem in my back. And uh, she she was clearly really annoyed with me last time mm. when I showed up. She was like poking my back and she's like, what did you do? <laughs> she's like, it's all hard back here. Like, this is not this is not how arms are supposed to be. So you're also having back pains. Yeah, it's it's really this like muscular problem around my shoulder blade is what it yeah. is. Like, that's 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 what it is. Uh, and then I go to this person who bends my arm around in funny ways and pokes and prods and make me feel like a chicken like you're never more aware of like the internal muscular and bone structure of your meat sack body than when someone else is like pushing it around Mm -hmm. and trying to break it it's like oh god it's so physically uncomfortable why do i have to be reminded that i am made of meat in this way and they do those things to you which makes it feel like your head's gonna blow up yeah it's it's horrible it's really horrible i i had (laughs) I had this I had this one experience where um it's like hard to describe it. She's bending my arm, but I need to keep laying down flat. But the way she's bending my arm, like the natural implication is to like sit up, right? You want to kind of sit up and move with the motion, but like that's not what you're supposed to do. Uh and so she's like, no, lay down flat. And so she bends the arm and I kind of sit up and she just like bops me on the nose. She's like 
down. Like you have to go down, right? <laughs> down, boy. <laughs> yeah. and, but the thing was, it was just like such a physically startling moment. Right? But she's a real no-nonsense person. Like, I need to fix your broken, dumb arm, right? And you're not helping Stupid me Stupid right computer, now. man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what do you do all day? Like, oh, I sit all day. You know, like, yeah, it's not good for you. <laughs> it's not good for you. So, uh, yeah, so I, I have been I have been seeking professional help. But I do, I do think that not working on my computer combined with the last couple of projects being bigger and further apart, like, this is, this is becoming a problem that I, I'm, I am needing to manage in a, in a different way that I need to work around to some extent in the, in the future. Like I have a few ideas about that, which we may get to, but it's, it's definitely a, it's a thing that I worry about now being an old man. I am both concerned and frustrated uh, at you. Oh yeah. In regards to this. So I'm worried about you, Mm -hmm. but I'm also kind of annoyed at you because Uh you're putting yourself in this situation via the weird ways that you work when mm. you could actually just not do this. You, someone could do this for you. And it's very interesting to me that we're in the year of less, but you're still doing this. Well, the year of less has many parts to it. And I talked about the year of less a while back. And even in the beginning of the year, like the animation was something that was on my mind that falls into the theme of the year of less, right? And I sort of kind of did that with the Star Trek video of having someone else generate all the artwork, although that was, as we discussed at the time, a project that I discovered like, oh, actually, this doesn't really save me the time that I thought animating. Uh, it just sort of shifts the work in a, around in a slightly different way. There are a number of things that are connected to this year of less. And I feel like I have made progress on a few of them so far. But the an- the animation is on my mind, it, but it is definitely the thorniest, most important and biggest and hardest one to, to work around. But I think that the my recent RSI and health problems are like accelerating the importance of this in the list of things that I am attempting to do under the banner of the Year of Less. Are you precious about the animation? What do you mean by that? So the Star Trek video is not a good uh, reason for why getting an animator is difficult. Like, the time and effort that it took to put that video together, I don't think equates to the reason that having somebody do animation for you is tricky because the animation and the illustration style was far more complex than Mm -hmm. what you usually do. Mm -hmm. So I don't really think that it's like you can say, oh, look how much harder and longer this took and how much more expensive maybe it was to produce because you would go in for something completely different. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love your animation style but it's not complicated mm. for somebody oh, yeah. to do. And I think that like you, you could find a skilled animator who could replicate what you do quite easily. You know, like there isn't one person that draws The Simpsons. Mm. You know, that they're, skilled animators are able to replicate a style. And I don't think it would be very difficult 
or would take too much work to kind of mold somebody into to wanting to work the way that you do. Like somebody could understand how to, to do the stuff that you do, I think, quite simply. And then it would be a case of you working with that person to establish systems for how you would then be directing the videos. Mm-hmm. Like it's a new type of work, which I think is probably what's making you hesitant of it. But I think in the long run, I don't think it would be incredibly difficult to do that. Like, let's use a Kurzstat in a nutshell as an example. Like, that is a way more complicated animation style that mm. would be, I think, more difficult to replicate, right? Like, they have a... Their visual style is as iconic as yours, I think, but it's way more complex. Is mm. that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you look at any of the any of the slides on, on one of their videos, the number of... Uh... The number of elements is enormous. God, so beautiful though, right? Oh yeah, it's a great style. It's an absolutely great style. And your style is equally great, but it's simpler. So mm. I think it, it would be easier for somebody to pick it up. Um, so I'm just feeling like one of the main reasons you haven't done this yet, because you don't enjoy it, right? Like you don't enjoy this part. I don't, is that fair to say? Like you, you don't enjoy the animation? Oh yeah, the animation has always been the part that feels like a real slog to me. Like that's that's not a that's not a secret. So going along with what what, what you're talking about here, like a couple of points. First was first was doing the Star Trek video made it much clearer to me this idea that like oh there might actually be two separate roles here. There is asset and artwork generation, and that there is animation. And as dumb as it sounds, in my mind, because I am the person who does everything, I didn't actually realize that there are two distinct roles. Like, oh, I can get someone who does artwork, and then there could be someone else who does the animation. That these don't have to be the same person. And in some ways, it's like, that makes things much easier to understand. Like, oh, I'm not looking for a magic person who does everything. I could actually have two freelancers filling these two separate roles and then what is my role like maybe i am coordinating the actions of of these two people i think we've fallen into the trap of calling animation everything yes so like i was totally illustration and the work in final cut that they are two different things but we think of them as the same thing yeah yeah in my mind i i never separated those two things never really occurred to me but but of course we talked about like uh, creativity inc a few episodes ago like well there are people who work in digital animation and their only job is textures <laughs> like they don't do anything mm-hmm. except just textures like, there's there's no one who's drawing the entirety of like sully in monsters inc right someone's just working on the fur someone's just working on the eyes so these these things are definitely broken down, but it, in in my mind, from my own work, it was all just mixed together in this ball of like, here's how a video gets made, and I do all of these things. And what really didn't help clarifying that is the process that I'm going through right now is that I am mixing these things. Like I generate some assets and artwork and then I animate them and see how it looks. And then I go back and generate new assets and artwork and add them to final. Like I keep going back and forth between my two programs, Inkscape to draw and Final Cut to animate. And so that further blurs things in my own mind. And that's why I think like the Star Trek video was really quite a useful thing to do and to make it just much clearer. Like, okay, 
I have a better sense of what I might actually be looking for Good. if and when I do need to bring on help. Now, the second point that I wanted to bring up, though, which is when, when you talk about being precious about the animation, the one thing that I have always been aware of is like when I'm writing the script, I have an idea of what I want on the screen at the time. And I think that that really helps make the videos this consistent entity. And then I'm also aware that when I'm working through actually animating it, there's just a ton of stuff that I think to add while I am in the video creation process. And this is part of the reason why it always ends up taking longer than I anticipate it's going to be, because I'm, I'm putting something together and like, oh, this would be a great little visual reference to put in this scene. Or, oh, you know what? I want to do this this way. And I keep wanting to like add all of these things. And I do think that a lot of the stuff that I come up with while I am in the process of animating adds to the final product. Like things that it didn't occur to me to do until I'm just kind of playing around with art and animation and seeing how does this work together? Ooh, what can I do with this? But, but one of the things that, that I'm thinking a lot about is how to get the entirety of my job done without having to touch my computer. And um, I, I keep coming to this idea of like, well, I may need to have videos take a much longer time from start to finish because maybe there is a role for me as the like constant director and refiner of animation work that is happening. And I think that it didn't quite occur to me that maybe lots of these things that I come up with while I am animating, instead I can come up with while I am reviewing the work of what an illustrator or an animator is doing. And just accepting the fact like, you know what, there's going to be a ton of going back and forth between animators and illustrators with like, let's add this. Like, can we do this? Can this thing go over here? Like, maybe that's the way forward, but it will mean that like, you know, let's, let's say it takes four weeks to, to do a script from start to finish. Like I'm very used to this idea of like, oh, a script is done. And then within a week at most, I have the video up and isn't that great. I was like, well, you know what? Maybe what's really going to have to happen is that the production cycle is something more like eight weeks, right? That there's four weeks of writing, four weeks of back and forth with people working on the video. But during that people working back and forth on the video, I can be writing the next video because that's the other thing that's just been on my mind is like, I can't keep blasting a hole in my schedule of like knocking out a week every once in a while where it's just total animation time. Like in everything else in the world falls by the wayside. So... I know you've been bugging me about this, Mike, and I know that my body is certainly more than bugging me about it. Uh, so it's like something something has to change, and I'll, I'll just say I took a big, um, on one of my breaks, I took a big walk around a particular area in London that I like, and I was just trying to think about, okay, how how is it sensible to try to go about maybe bringing on some help? And I've I've come up with an idea that I think will work about how to try to get this process started. Uh, so there's something on my mind which might might come out soon about like how can I try to make this snowball get started rolling downhill. Good. 
because <laughs> if you don't fix it, there are no more videos. Yeah, well, that's the that's the other thing, right? Is it's like okay, I've had two videos in a row now where the the production has been physically difficult, and I like I don't anticipate that that is going to change. And so, yeah, if I don't change something, I could just wake up one morning where it's like, oh no, now you have a permanent health problem, right? And like, it's too late because you didn't put anything in place. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I feel like, well, I am I am trying to get this in motion before it's a real emergency. This is people people like people are always like, oh boy, wouldn't it be amazing to be self-employed? Right. And it's like, well, it depends a lot on your personality if it would be amazing to be self-employed. And one of the scariest things about being self-employed is exactly this kind of moment of like, you know what? You could wake up one morning and it's just all over. Right. You could wake up one morning and and you just have a physical problem and you can't do this thing anymore or like the business world changes out from underneath you like you're always standing on this precarious cliff and you're like wow this view is magnificent but like there's danger inches away mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's kind of what it's like to be self-employed and this is this is me quite recently coming up against one of these little moments of like man you got to be real careful here because it could be in a could be in a really bad situation uh if i don't if i don't pay attention so Hashtag year of less me. There are going to be people that will now want to be your animator. Yeah, maybe. I'm going to get a bunch of CVs then, basically, which I'll look <laughs> forward to receiving. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's now time to break the bodies of younger humans. That's, that's effectively what we're going to do now. I'm going to stop breaking my body and break other people's. Well, actually, it's an interesting thing because I'm when, when you mention that, because... I've been talking to some people who get animation work done. Like I've been, I've been kind of behind the scenes sending out feelers about like, how do you work? How do you work? Like, how do all of these things go? And one of the things I just realized is like, man, when people would give me estimates about how many seconds per day of animation their teams produce or like what you can expect from people producing animation... All of these numbers I realized like, holy God, I am doing what is regarded as an insane amount of animation work per day. Ah, uh, so you're actually working at the level of a team because yeah. of the insane hours that you put yourself in. Yeah, that, that's right? basically what I realized is like, oh, okay, I am doing somewhere between two to four times more animation work than anybody expects out of a, an animation employee per day. I was like, okay, this is this is an interesting thing here. Like I it was just it was interesting to consistently get numbers across the board that were like these are these are insane unsustainable levels of animation production. So it's like okay, right, that's part of why I was thinking about how I know the animation is going to have to take longer because I cannot possibly expect that anybody is going to be doing the same amount of work that I am doing. Like it, I would be the world's worst boss if I was like, okay, I expect you to get up at six and you're going to go to bed between 10 and 11 and you're going to animate the entire time. <laughs> like, and you're going to do that for four or five days in a row. Like, I, that would just be monstrous. Like it's just, it's wildly, wildly undoable. <laughs> and so that's why it's like, well, other people can work more sustainably and other people won't also have the problem that I have of like, well, I don't sit at this chair except all of a sudden for huge amounts of time. So so I do not think 
that it is breaking the bodies of younger people. I think it is asking other people to like work in a sustainable way that I am obviously not mentally capable of working at. I'm very pleased that you're being shown proof now of why the way that you do this stuff shouldn't continue. Mm-hmm. This makes me feel happy. Yeah. So I'm worried about you. I know. In the same way that when I was exhibiting RSI problems, you were going crazy at me. Yeah, I was going crazy at you, but it's also because you, Mike, you're a business owner, right? Like you. So you know, are you, though. <laughs> yeah, but it's just me, right? <laughs> it's it's like it's all mixed together when it's just me, right? Like it's one person. <laughs> I can't sit down and read the E Myth Revisited and write out a whole org chart for my company because there's only one person. Even though I totally can and I totally should. And you, I bet you really have. No, I totally have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I put pictures of myself everywhere. I did. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's just one of these cases. Like, being a self-employed person, it all gets muddled up together. And and this is a moment that is causing me to be much more, much more clear about separating things out and... As longtime listeners of the show will know, like, well, it's, it's not really surprise, any surprise that I'm here now. Because, like, well, there's a reason I wanted to talk about E-Myth Revisited recently, and there's a reason that this is the year of last. Like, this is a thing that has been on my mind for a while, and I'm making motions towards making it more of a, of a real thing. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by PDF Pen Pro from Smile. You may have heard me say before that PDF Pen is the Swiss Army knife for using and working with PDFs. Well, PDF Pen Pro is the knife with so many tools that you can barely fit it in your pocket. PDF Pen Pro has everything that you're going to need to work with and master PDFs, like adding signatures, editing text and images, performing OCR on scanned documents, and even exporting those PDFs into Microsoft Word format, which is something I do a lot. I get contracts in Word, I put them into PDF Pen, I'm able to sign them and add whatever I need, export them back out to Word and send them back to the company that I'm working with. That's really awesome. But only with PDF Pen Pro can you create interactive PDF forms, build a table of contents, set document permissions, and convert websites to multi-page PDFs. PDF Pen Pro also allows you to easily export to Microsoft Excel, PowerPoint, and PDF archive formats as well. And with PDF Pen Pro, you can even add tooltips to your PDFs for voiceover accessibility. This list of features goes on and on. This is a powerful piece of software. You can try the free demo of PDF Pen Pro today by visiting smilesoftware.com slash Cortex PDF Pen Pro requires OS 10 Yosemite or later and works perfectly on El Capitan. Thank you so much to Smile for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. I've been drinking a lot of coffee today. Yeah, I had I had uh, an unusual amount of coffee today. Oh yeah, why for you? I went to the barbers today. Oh, for your beard straightening and my haircut. Yep. So I'm all I'm all pristine, but I got a coffee before I went in, and then mm. a coffee when I left. And we're talking like the strong hipster coffee, right? So I'm on a I'm on a real high right now. <laughs> I love that that's your strong coffee. That's what I do before six thirty in the morning. <laughs> you go to Pret. That you know that's nothing. <laughs> no, no. This this morning I'm I'm. It's all it's all homegrown filter coffee today for the past 
several days actually i'm homegrown from amsterdam yeah <laughs> i would totally love to see like a blood toxicology report of my caffeine levels right now it's all good man <laughs> yeah i wouldn't worry about it oh i'm not worried <laughs> i know you're not i'm just <laughs> right? saying it's like, like I, it's I just wouldn't. interest like it's it's be entertaining <laughs> sometimes when i drink coffee i i i've ha- i have the feeling like i could run the world like i could just completely rule the world and everything would be fine do you ever get that feeling like i'm just like i could do anything right now like i'm unstoppable no no i think it's because you drink more coffee than me yeah yeah so that's why you don't get the rule the world feeling that i sometimes get <laughs> yeah i don't, I don't get i don't get megalom megalom i can't say it no <laughs> megalomania megalomaniacal megalomaniacal yeah yeah i don't get that when i drink coffee okay just well, feel good that's good to know <laughs> Oh, Gray, I did, I, did, I did a thing. I did a real thing last week. Mm. I bought an iPad. Bought another one. Uh-huh. And it's all your fault, really. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know it's my fault. I know it's my fault. It's my fault for being so reasonable mm-hmm. about why multiple iPads, multiple iPads pros are a thing <laughs> that's totally useful. I recorded with you on Friday. Mm-hmm. I went to the Apple Store on Tuesday, mm-hmm. only because I was busy on Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought a gold iPad Pro nine point seven. Uh huh. And I want I want to give my my personal reasoning for this. So I'm very much on board of a lot of the stuff that you were talking about last time. Um, about setting up devices for different kind of mindsets and and different ways of working, and I am completely on board with the multiple screens as like pieces of paper idea. Like mm-hmm. I'm sold on that completely. Mm-hmm. But the thing that kind of tipped me over the edge when thinking about multiple iPads is thinking about how over the last few years I have used and how it's been completely acceptable for people to do this. To have multiple Macs. Mm -hmm. I have had a laptop and a desktop for years because Mm. I use them in different ways. I'm operating them in different ways and doing different things with them. And I figure, well, why wouldn't I have multiple iPads for that same reason? Especially when in the iPad Pro line, those two devices, on the face of it, seem similar. But when you actually use them, you realize they're very different devices. Oh, yeah. uh, because of how iOS operates on those devices. Uh, the the 12.9-inch iPad Pro gives a far superior multitasking view. Mm-hmm. So it really does, to me, feel like a computer I use for different things. So my current kind of arrangement is the 9.7-inch iPad Pro is being used for the consumption of things so twitter reading uh taking very basic notes on stuff for shows watching videos and things like that while i'm around the house or in the morning or in the evening Mm -hmm. and then the larger ipad pro the 12.9 that's where the work's getting done that's where i'm filling out (laughs) spreadsheets that's where i'm doing invoices you know that that's where i'm communicating with multiple people and coordinating stuff and doing my email and writing uh, scripts for ads like that's all happening there Mm-hmm. 
and I, lo- I love it. It's the best. It's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I am so happy. <laughs> people think I'm crazy. I'm trying so hard to convince people. Basically, every show I produce right now is me trying to talk about why I think this is fantastic. Oh, Mike, I know. I know. Because since I have been animating, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. And I feel like you are my little Thomas Henry Huxley going out into the world bulldogging this idea about multiple ipads pro like i've been hearing you like singing the sweet gospel on every show that you record about this because you know what it is like, funny to me is nobody says that you're being crazy they just call me crazy because people are just like gray does what gray does right like we can't understand him he just goes and does his thing the thing that's really funny about this to me is is like we had the we had the conversation of I am I am using three iPads. The framing of that was there has been an iPad consolidation for me, right? Like going to three is like a smaller number than I used to have when we first talked about iPads a while back, right? So I'm I'm totally aware of that that it's it does seem this this funny kind of like who knows what that guy is doing thing. We're like, but you, Mike, you are relatable and therefore you seem more crazy somehow in the minds of others. And I think it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, you know what? That's probably it. Like I'm more of the everyman, right? You know? Like I'm a man of the people. Right. And now right. that's exactly right. I, now it's like I'm turning into cyborg, right? As I'm moving more towards robot gray. You know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm in that mm-hmm. transition period. But mm-hmm. there have also been people that have been tweeting at us who have gone this way too mm-hmm. and and can understand the superiority of having multiple iPads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things, uh, we, we sort of lost it for the show notes, so I apologize to whoever this was, but someone sent us a, a while back on, on Twitter this picture of their daughter doing her homework. And it was this girl on her bed just like surrounded by iPads, right? As she's working on a whole bunch of stuff, like she had her phone and, and a couple of iPads on the bed. And it's like, yes, this is this is obviously a great way to work in certain circumstances when you're doing stuff. Like it's it is just clearly so nice to be able to do that. One of the things that I'm finding interesting is the management of the devices. That's something that mm-hmm. I'm really trying to wrap my head around because I'm not doing this in the same way that you are. Like I'm setting the devices up differently, but not like purposely differently. I'm not like locking them down in the way that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, like you only have certain apps and certain devices. I'm pretty much replicating them, uh, but trying to work out what the best way is to manage that is an interesting uh, is an interesting dilemma that I'm going through. But I really, I really love it. Like it's just, just superb. Yeah, if you're trying to keep two iPads in perfect sync with each other, you you need to go to some higher level solution, like you know, with the various Apple device management solutions. Like that's just what you need to do. Whereas if you're using the gray method, the clearly superior method, which is limiting iPads for purpose, then you don't have any of these problems, right? Where it's like, this is these are opposite philosophies. Like I want a device for a particular purpose and it is set up explicitly for that purpose. And then that negates an enormous number of the managing devices trying to keep them all in sync headaches and, and problems that can occur. But I think it's the, you know, it's the better path. You shouldn't have all the same apps on all the same devices. It's not exactly the same, but mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just need to see how it's going to go for me. 
uh, over time. Because I like being able to, like if I'm using the small iPad and I need to do something in a certain app, I like that I can just grab it and do it. Mm. Um, I'm not really as far down that route as you are. I mean, I think what you can tell, dear listener, over the course of this show is I'm slowly transitioning or being brainwashed to work like you. So who knows what's going to happen is that, in a few months' no, time. No, no. There's no brainwashing. You you yourself said it last time. Right? That the things I'm doing, they might sound ridiculous, but if I, if I have a chance to explain them, they're actually quite reasonable. That's what makes it so frustrating. Yeah. Is that everything seems like just madness, but then you break it down and I seem to be able to understand it. Yeah, I'm very reasonable. I'm a very reasonable guy. There was something that I wanted to put in the show notes because it made me laugh so much. Mm-hmm. And it was a guy called Cody on Twitter created a breaking news image of the two of us. Oh, and I just yes. Thought it's so, I, just, I just want to put this in here because it so perfectly encapsulates me and you. Yeah, th- this was uh, an, an excellent piece of Cortex-related artwork by mm-hmm. Cody Williams. Uh, and I, I just absolutely love it. I love it because of the coloring. So mm-hmm. what they did was they took the um, the version of me from the Star Trek animated one. The ultimate gray. Right. Ultimate gray? Okay. Ultimate gray. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then they took, you posted this like power puffed version of yourself uh-huh. uh, on the internet. And they combined the two of these. So like you looking like a power puff girl with a pink star and all of these colors are on the projection screen that I normally use when I'm talking about stuff. But everything in my universe is just gray, right? <laughs> there's no there's no color at all. And even just the way the things look like, of course, my animated version of myself has no mouth or anything, but like you have these huge eyes and like big smile. And it just the the contrast of these two images, uh, I think, is hilarious. Like this is this is a great, great piece of show artwork. And the news headline it's like a breaking news thing, like you're the news anchor. And this is breaking news. Bearded man buys two iPad Pros, doubles productivity. Yeah, perfect. It's so good. (laughs) It's just so good. 10 out of 10. That's that's the award for that one. <laughs> it's really good. I also noticed whilst we're on iPad productivity uh, that mm. you posted a little blog post kind of going into detail a little bit more on the precariously created Transformer workstation. Oh, oh yes. Of course, that's, I forget the timeline of like, when have I posted things? I have no idea. But yeah, I guess this came up after the last the last show. But yeah, I'm looking at these pictures and those tables, like one of the legs isn't like completely. Oh, it's just so dangerous looking to me. <laughs> like just that front left leg on the top table is not like completely on the table that it's resting on. I know what you I know what you think you're seeing, but they're way more stable in person than they look. Those those legs have a weird uh, like sheath that goes around the outside of them, so it makes them look more off center than they actually are. Mm. The, trust me, the contact point is entirely is entirely on the table, so don't worry about my crazy double table uh, standing desk thing there. It's working just fine. It doesn't move an inch when I actually use it. Uh, but yes, for listeners of Cortex, I did put a very brief article up on my website where I was just detailing a little bit the details of of how i set up what i'm I'm thinking of as my you know writing monastery here where it's mm. the place that i just go to write and it was just a couple of things about how you can actually hook up a mechanical keyboard to an ipad 
which uh, I wasn't 100% sure if I could get that to work because I was using some older Apple technology, this like lightning camera adapter thing. Like, oh man, this has a USB port. Maybe I can plug my keyboard into this and plug it into the iPad. And it totally works. And I have to say, this has got to be like my favorite way of writing ever is having the iPad as the screen and especially the the big pro like that gigantic screen and then having a mechanical keyboard connected to it it is just writing bliss like I totally totally love this setup it is it is just fantastic it's absolutely fantastic whilst we're talking about things that make me feel uncomfortable the stand that you're using Mm -hmm. the fact that it doesn't really grip the iPad properly. I don't like that. Uh, it's terrifying me. <laughs> it's fine. It grips it mostly. It, you know, mostly, mostly it's mostly it. fine. The thing only costs a thousand dollars. Mostly gripping it whilst sitting atop two tables is it's no problem. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard. I couldn't find any better iPad stands at the time, and it's it's fine. I think it's more secure than it looks. Yeah, I was. I've been looking for stands, and there doesn't really seem to be much in the way of like being able to hold something up in front of your face yeah because that's the key thing like i want that to be vertical and at eye level like that Mm -hmm. that's what i'm looking for and that's what i've accomplished uh with this with this setup but it is it's glorious it's glorious mike you know mechanical typing on on an ipad pro it's living the dream that's what it is there's something in this image that Mm -hmm. i've noticed and there are two docks in this image what looks like a phone dock and a watch dock on Mm -hmm. that table which makes me wonder and make an assumption that when you write you take your watch off and your phone and you put them there so they don't distract you part of this is that i like to have the ability to charge whatever wherever i am so i just want to have it like i never want to have the inconvenience of not being able to charge something Mm -hmm. Uh, i do there's two things that are happening here one of which is uh that i do sleep with the apple watch Mm -hmm. and so my Apple, my Apple Watch gets charged a little bit in the evening and a little bit in the morning. But sometimes, like depending on how long it's been charging in the evening or in the morning, the Apple Watch charge can be a little low. And so I wanted an Apple Watch charger in this office space because what I was running into sometimes is like, okay, if my Apple Watch charge is slightly low and then it is also a day where I'm going to the gym and I'm using the explicit... Uh, gym tracking exercise tracking stuff in the apple watch which drains the battery a lot like i was occasionally not getting through a full day with the apple watch which was kind of annoying so i I have a little charger here so that if the battery happens to be low i can just pop it on while i do a bit of writing and then it's totally fine for the rest Mm -hmm. of the day so i don't actually take the apple watch off entirely for distraction purposes like i'm not a crazy person mike right like we all have we all have our limits, right? So it, I just do it if if it needs to be charged. That's right. that's the only thing. The phone, however, uh-uh. my gigantic uh, iPhone six plus. Yes, I do take it out of my pocket and I put it on the charger there because I don't. When I'm pacing back and forth, somehow the bigness of it is more physically noticeable in my pocket like when i'm taking three steps forward like turning around and walking three steps back i don't know something about it then just really does bother me so i do put the phone on that dock while i'm pacing back and forth so that's that's what those things are there for 
So you wrote a little bit about your peculiar setup, and I wrote a little bit about mine. Oh yeah. I I basically on on my my blog I just detailed out the modifications that I've made to the Apple Pencil. Ooh. Because see. people mention this to me quite a bit, or they ask me questions. So the main modifications that I've made is adding a pen clip to stop the pencil from rolling. Um, I've added a pen loop to my iPad, so I have somewhere to put the pencil at all times, so it's always attached to my iPad. And then, of mm. course, the Apple Pencil Skin by dbrand. So I just wanted to kind of put the links to those in a sp- specific place where I could people could find them, where I could send them, and also talk about why I do the things that I do with some of my devices. And a lot of it is about customization for me. When I truly love something, like love a product or love some device or something, I have always found that I customize it to make it feel more like my own, which is why I put stickers on the devices that I love. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's like I'm making this mine, mm-hmm. um, which is why the, the skin is on the pencil. Like It does add additional grip, but I'm like, no, this is more fun. This feels more like it's part of my personality than just this white stick. Um, so that's why the, the, that's there. But, you know, I, I think the other things, especially the pen loop, the pen loop is easily the best thing that I've uh, done here because my pencil is always attached to my iPad. And I love that. Why don't you keep it in your pocket? No, because that doesn't make any sense. What about when I'm at home? If you have a pocket if in my pocket at home, it doesn't work. It's just always attached to the iPad. What do you mean it doesn't work? I don't even understand what you're saying. What do you walk around the home in your home in your pajamas with an Apple pencil in your pocket? The Apple pencil, I feel like it is always either in my hand or in my pocket. Well, but like your pajamas? If I'm like sitting on the couch in my pajamas and the Apple pencil is in my hand, I'm probably on the iPad right then. No, see, look, my thing is I don't want to ever have to remember to pick this thing up. So like if I pick up my iPad, my pencil is with it. Hmm. It's not something else I have to remember to pack. It's ne- I never lose it. I know a lot of people that lose them or misplace them. I, this never happens because when I'm not using it, it's in that pen loop, which is attached to my iPad. Yeah. Uh, again, for listeners who are just hearing this, Mike has this like Velcro-y sticker thing that's, that's on the side of his iPad that has a little loop that you can stick the pencil through. Yeah, a little elastic loop. I'm not sold on this. It looks like it would make the iPad rock on a surface maybe. um... it's possible but i don't ever have the back of the ipad just touching a surface because i have the smart keyboard on it all the time so Mm -hmm. if the ipad's laying flat the smart keyboard is on it and it doesn't rock when the smart keyboard's on it Mm. maybe maybe it works for me i think it is a good addition for people um i definitely think a clip as well is good yeah, I'm much I'm much more sold on your this the clip. Like I keep thinking about it. I need to order a couple of those and try to try to attach them to a pencil and see how it works. Cuz like because again, like it's in my pockets, right? So I I would, would like to put the the clip on the edge of my pocket right when I'm I have it in my pants, but um Yeah, this is this is a tricky thing. So like I say in the post, like the clip I don't necessarily recommend for like heavy duty clipping onto things because the clip will slide off unless you try and tighten it. So, you know, using a pair of pliers to kind of shrink the space of the thing and then kind of force it onto the pencil and it will it will work. But I don't recommend mm. that. Uh, I, I mainly use the clip just to stop the thing rolling. Unless you glued it on. I could glue it on. I, I could live with that. That would be the other thing that I was saying. You could glue it on there and then you'd be, you'd be good to rock and roll. Yeah, I could live with that. 
This episode of Cortex is also brought to you by FreshBooks. I love FreshBooks. I use FreshBooks every single week to help send out my invoices and our invoices at Relay FM. Last week, we sent out our 500th invoice with FreshBooks since we started our company. And I use FreshBooks, and I'm happy to send out those invoices because they make it a breeze. They make it pain-free. Every invoice that you get sent out with FreshBooks is super simple to set up. Everything's saved in there as well, like previous stuff that you've used, like line items and things. So it's very easy for you to create invoices, which is why it takes just 30 seconds to get one set up and sent out. FreshBooks make it so easy for people to pay you. You can integrate with card payments, PayPal, FreshBooks have their own system. You can add information for paying by check or bank transfer. FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average, and it's plain to see why. FreshBooks is all about helping you as a small business owner not have to worry about so much of this finance stuff and also making it simple for you to get paid, which is why they have things like automatic late payment reminders. So FreshBooks will take care of managing those invoices for you. You can easily keep track of your expenses. If you're in the US, you can automatically import your bank transactions for easy bank reconciliation. You can scan receipts in their mobile app so you can very easily get all of that put into FreshBooks as well. They have tons of third-party integrations, fantastic support, and so much more. If you send out invoices, you should be checking out FreshBooks. Just give them a try. Listeners of Cortex can get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. It's completely unrestricted use of FreshBooks. All you need to do is go to freshbooks.com Cortex to find out more and sign up. And please enter Cortex in the How You Heard About Us section so FreshBooks knows you came from this show. Seriously, if you send invoices to people, check out FreshBooks. Just trust me on this one. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support of Cortex and Relay FM. When we had lunch the other day, you mentioned to me that you wanted four iPads. Okay, now we were just, we were just... No, you said this, and then I said, I'm putting it in the document, and I pulled out my phone, and I opened Quip, and I added it into our document, because you said four. Okay. So, you you know, you've been saying on the show that you've consolidated, but now you're expanding again. Okay, so let's just briefly, briefly, we're, we're looping back here to using multiple iPads. Uh-huh. And I will say that that when we first talked I had just barely been using the two iPads Pro. And and the iPad mini. Yeah, the and the iPad mini which is functioning as a Kindle. Like that's I I I still say that barely counts. I just mention it cuz people will get angry if you don't. Um but so one of the things that I was th- originally thinking uh, and and we discussed last episode was when I'm working out, okay, what is every device for? And I, and I have to say now, having uh, done this for a while longer than than at the time when we spoke, like I am absolutely, totally loving the completely pared down phone, right? That the, the phone, I'm just constantly stripping as much off of there as I possibly can. And I can tell that like, yes, this is the correct decision. Like I really do like this. Uh, I'm much happier about this, that, that as much as I can not have the phone do, I, I want that to be the case. Um, and so moving activities to the iPads instead. And so my Baby Pro 
is acting in this this dual role of it is both the iPad that if I'm just sitting on the couch and watching TV late at night that I'll relax with, like I'll play a game on it. You know, I mentioned last time XCOM with the pencil is super fun on the Baby Pro. Uh, like it's a great example of a game that just works better if you have a precision pointing device. But I'm also using that Pro as my notification center. So as much as possible, I am funneling all work notifications through that. And this means um, lots of instant messages, lots of Slack, VIP email notifications and thread notifications. These are the kinds of things that I'm saying, like which device in the house is going to be the device that displays notifications? It's this one. And I have filtered it so that the device itself doesn't really beep or make any noises, but I've set it up so that all of these things appear in Notification Center when I pull it down. And so this is my way of, of trying to say like, okay, I have this device that I can use to relax, but that if I flip into a specific mode, if I pull down Notification Center, I can see like all of the stuff that's, that's there waiting for me. And when we spoke and I made this remark about having four iPads, I was originally thinking maybe I need to split this one into two, that there's like an administration work machine here and there's also a personal device. Like, is it better to have these separated? And having worked with it so far, like I'm not actually sure that it is. I, I think it has actually been quite good for me to be able to see like when people on work-related stuff send me messages on Slack, even when I'm just sitting on the couch. Like I actually kind of like having these two devices be the same thing. So I'm, I'm not actually like dying to go to run out and buy like yet another iPad Pro. I think it's actually been working out really well for me to have these, these two things be in a single device. And I, I think people that I work with have noticed and commented on that it, like the turnaround times between sending me stuff and getting replies has definitely gone down. Like I have been more responsive to people with this setup. So I'm I'm actually I'm actually quite liking it so far, though I am I am using the Baby Pro in this somewhat hilarious way in that I am using the Big Pro keyboard with the Baby Pro all the time because now that my Big Pro is mounted as a display in my writing monastery, it's like, oh, I have this keyboard that I don't need to use. Oh, right, but the smart connector, it works on both of these devices. And I, like, I totally love using the giant keyboard with the Baby Pro. Uh, so like sitting on the couch and using that keyboard with, with um, the Baby Pro, it's super stable. It's really easy to type on. It's very light. Like I, I really, I'm really quite enjoying this as a little workstation, even though it looks quite dorky to actually use it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the lucky few that was able to get one of the little keyboards. Yeah, I have to say, whoever is on the iPad Pro keyboard design team, like those people deserve like the biggest A plus ever. Because I think like they have such incredible design constraints and they have pulled off like an amazingly usable keyboard given what they have to work with. And when I first ordered my Baby Pro, I didn't even bother getting the keyboard cover because I thought I've never used a constrained little keyboard that was usable at all. But I did want to just try it out in the Apple store, like just out of interest to see how did it work. And I was amazed like, oh, I can type on this thing 
better than I've ever been able to type on any tiny keyboard. Yeah. And what I what I did in the Apple Store was I was like, okay, let me see how this works. I took the 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 tiny keyboard off and physically held it over one of the larger keyboards. And then it was like, ah, okay, I can see what you've done here, Apple. You have just barely, barely squidged together the typing keys, like the minimum amount that you possibly could Mm -hmm. by sacrificing all of the side keys, like the tab and the shift and the carriage return, all this stuff. They're all super tiny, those ones. Yeah, they are really tiny. But the end result is like, oh, this is actually a surprisingly impressive little keyboard. So uh, maybe I'll use that in the future. Maybe I won't. I I don't know. Um, but uh, but either way, like A plus double thumbs up work, Apple foldable keyboard team. Like you've done an amazing job with these things. I had a little bit of a, a, a tweet storm the other day about like my vision of of the iPad future. And I went to uh, I went to find an image of, you know, like a Star Trek captain somewhere using a bunch of iPads. Yep. So I found this image of, of Picard using <laughs> having like a whole big pile of iPads on his desk again so that it immediately reads to the audience of like, that's a man who's getting a lot of work done <laughs> because there's iPads <laughs> everywhere. But what I didn't realize until I went to find that image is that they're called pads in Star Trek. Like I never knew there was huh. a name for those things. It's like P-A-D-D. And I forget, you know, it's personal something digital device. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm even more sold now, right? Like, how, how close could this possibly be? It's like Star Trek, always, always predicting the future. They're even called pads. Captains use a whole bunch of them. This is just the way it's going. Ready for trucks? <laughs> you want to talk about trucks, Mike? Yeah, I feel like we, we should have spoken about trucks weeks ago. We should have spoken about trucks week, weeks ago. But we've been so busy. We have been so busy. And poor you talking to me today. I may be only mentally capable of talking about trucks at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So American Truck Simulator came out. (laughs) Boy, did it. Boy, did it. And it's so good. So good. I've I've played it a bunch. I haven't been playing it recently because I've I haven't had the situations like because I tend to play it when I'm editing something or I'm just sitting at the computer for a long period of time and I haven't really had that stuff recently uh, just mm-hmm. due to a bunch of travel things. But I hooked up a PlayStation controller to my Mac, and it's perfect for me because mm-hmm. that was my problem when I was trying to play Euro Truck is I just couldn't enjoy it with the keyboard. Mm. And being a uh, console peasant as I am, mm. Um, mm. I uh, I decided to try out the PlayStation controller. And all I need to do is just plug it in with the mini USB into my Mac. You can use Bluetooth too, but this works better because it doesn't let, uh, accidentally turn on my PlayStation. And I'm able to just drive everything around. I customized a bunch of buttons so it does all the things that I need. And I am driving back and forth from Las Vegas, man. And I am... <laughs> Just having the very best time. Just the very best time. Yeah, we've been overdue on a little bit of video game talk on this show. I, I know I know people might find it weird that on a on a podcast which largely focuses on our working world that we also like tack on video game talk at the end. But I really do feel that for me, like the video games are a part of the cycle of work. And so uh, I forget when American Truck Simulator came out exactly, but it was... Just slightly before uh, my last push of videos, I think it was. I think it was a Star Trek one. I can't remember. No, I think it was America Parks. 
Oh yeah, of course, of course. That's right. It was America Pox Part Two. That's what it was. Of course. Uh, I was like, <laughs> something in my brain thought like, it's not going right because it was some huge thing I was working on. So yeah, it was America Pox. Um, but I totally view this as part of like the working cycle and after getting a video up and after having that big push to get it up and and the the kind of relief of having something up especially for a producer like me who like with the videos there's not a huge number of them it's not like podcasts that come out all the time so there's less of fanfare with them the videos are just these big stressful huge events in my working calendar and so I always just deeply feel the need to decompress after one of those. And the harder work has been, the the more I feel this need to comp- decompress. And yeah, that America Pox video, I remember when that was out, I was just so mentally exhausted that America Truck Simulator was like a gift from heaven to me at that point. And <laughs> I just played it I think for two days straight and I did an unusual thing which is normally if I'll play a game like that I'll be listening to something like an audiobook or podcast or whatever like they just go together so well but I wasn't even mentally capable of doing that I was just playing it just silence right just the engine noise I was just sitting there that's how I actually (laughs) tend to play the game I don't know how you do that normally that's crazy I like listening to the sounds of the cars and yeah it is it is nice, but yeah, this is not my normal experience. But I, I just did that for two days because it's like, it, it, it is almost meditative. It is one of the very few ways in which like I can just kind of calm my brain and don't think about work and just do this thing. Uh, that is quite possibly the best way to describe this game. When I play American Truck Simulator, I am in like another world. Mm-hmm. Like because I don't think I've played a less a less high-stakes game than this. Oh, I know, I know. There are no stakes in American Truck Simulator. <laughs> like, if you crash into someone, it's fine. Yeah. Like, nobody dies, no cars explode. Like, you know, you might just lose $100. Like, just things like that. It's like, it's fine. You yeah. could just, just side, like, just sideswipe something. No problem. Yeah. It's fine, which is, you know. You get a ticket, but if, you know, if you have a couple of employees working for you, whatever, it doesn't matter. They'll they'll pay off the ticket very shortly. You don't have to worry about it. See, that's like pro-level stuff, you know? The <laughs> way that I'm playing currently is probably a way that nobody plays this game. I'm mm-hmm. driving until I earn enough money to buy my own truck, but, like, outright. No loans. I'm just going to keep doing, keep taking these $10,000 jobs or whatever until I've raised a couple of hundred thousand dollars, and then I'm going to buy my very own truck. And then I'm just going to drive it around. Yeah, see, now, I, I at least have to have some kind of stake. So I'll take out a half million dollar loan and buy everything that I possibly can. And then you have to work towards paying off the loan. That's, that's yeah, see, the way now, it... so that's putting stress into the game, right? <laughs> like, I just want to get even, in a truck and e- drive Even it. then, the way the game is set up, it's almost impossible not to be okay. Right, like you're gonna you're gonna be fine even if you've taken out a five hundred thousand dollar loan. Like you, you, if you keep playing, you're gonna pay off that loan. You can't not pay off that loan. But th- this this totally goes back to this idea of it's like meditative state. Like you're just doing a thing. You're playing this game. It requires attention. Like you have to be focused on it. If you don't focus on it, you will drive off the road almost immediately. But the attention that it requires is so narrow and so limited in scope. Yeah, there's just there's just something about it which is clearing 
to the mind. So one of the great things about the American version is there's just lots of highway driving. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes it so much more pleasurable to me, is that there are massive stretches of the trips where it's just straight roads. Yeah, it's so nice. I particularly think like when, you know, when I used to do the road trips across America, you, you do have this little bit of stress of driving in the city, but then you get on the highway and, and you look at the GPS and it says something like six hours until your next left-hand turn. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just straight for the next six hours. Beautiful. Right? That's, just, that's just what I want to see. You know, no intersections, nothing to worry about. It is absolutely fantastic. It's, it is really like the therapy that I need after a big work push. And you can be sure that when this next video of mine goes up, like I am going to be playing American Truck Simulator for a little while to just, just clear, clear the mind. So thank you to this company who made the game. I, I am anxiously awaiting the release of additional states. Like I just... Like, let's get let's get more of this map in place uh, as fast as possible. I really want to do a cross country. Oh yeah, of course. Everybody wants to do a cross country. Everybody wants to do a cross country. To talk about the actual game for a second, though, the only thing that does slightly worry me about the game is that I do find that the scale of the map is a little small. The scale is so wrong. Yeah, some of the trips are so quick. I would prefer the, the the scale to be a bit more. I expect what they're doing is making the highways massively shorter. As someone who's driven up and down California and has driven cross country, like this, the scale of this stuff feels too short. And the thing that, that concerns me slightly, just thinking forward to the future, is when when you look at the geography of America, like the West Coast is relatively spread out and the east coast is pretty compact and i like i understand that if you're building a simulation of driving across america like scale is fundamentally a difficult thing for you to deal with because in the middle of america you have these just tremendously long stretches of absolutely nothing it would be kind of stupid to build it to scale like to actual scale i i I don't think that would be fun well here's what here's what i'm concerned about right and here's what i'm thinking is if you take this scale at which they have built California and then you just shift it over towards the East Coast, it's going to have to be something like, oh, driving from New York to Boston is going to take a minute. Right? It's just everything is just way too close on this scale. So what I wonder is like as as the map gets expanded, are they going to be pulling like relativity tricks here where, yeah, they stretch and squish together different areas? Because the cities feel pretty pretty good right like driving through vegas it's like okay this this the scale of this part feels better than the scale between vegas and la Mm -hmm. so i feel like the scale is fluid anyway i did see some postings on some of the forums that they're they're definitely screwing with time and scale when you go into a city boundary uh and, and like that is definitely occurring that the the speed at which you drive through las vegas you know it's like you're near a black hole or something everything has slowed down and then when you leave Las Vegas, the, the scale speeds up again. So, so yeah, they're definitely doing that a little bit. I just, I don't know. I, I, I almost feel like, oh, if they do that for the big scale, for the macro scale, it just feels like cheating somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like the experience of driving across a cornfield and feeling like 
dear God, is this cornfield ever going to end? Or am I just going to spend the rest of my life driving through this cornfield? I think that is a valuable experience. Like, I think that is part of the feeling of driving across America. It's just like, God, are the middle states just barren? Sorry, everybody who lives in the middle states, but it's totally true. And so, like, I'm just worried that they're going to compress that a little bit too much and then end up making a cross-country journey feel just weird and feel messed up in terms of scale and and take away a little bit the feeling of accomplishment like i have driven across the country in in this manner so i don't i don't know what they're going to do i'm i'm very curious to see how this progresses i know uh, as we are recording currently they have california and nevada are the parts of the map that are available arizona is coming next and then it's going to be new mexico and and texas after that so I think by then we'll have some sense of how much are they screwing with the scale if they do so at all, because Texas is pretty big. Texas will be fun. I think Texas will be fun. Yeah. I wish they were going to this Pacific Northwest first, but the way that they are expanding makes total sense. Like if they're trying to just increase the number of states, you want to do states that are more similar instead of having to map out like radically different geography, right? That's yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that they're going around that scoop, but that's fine. Like, I understand that's what they want to do when they want to get long drives in as fast as possible. But ultimately, I don't know if they have plans to do it, but I really hope that they include Canada as well. Because, like, I would just, I would totally love to do a drive from, like, New York to San Francisco to Dead Horse, Alaska. Right? Like, that, that would just be the greatest thing ever. I don't know if they're going to do it, but boy... That would be a, like, shut up and take my money if you want to put Canada in there as well. <laughs> Name your price company that makes American Truck Simulator. I will pay it. I would be surprised if they didn't. Because I feel like they're in a very unique position where this is a game that will just keep expanding. Mm-hmm. And they can just keep charging for the expansions. Because they're like natural expansions that people will want because Mm. they know what they want. They know what they're going to get. Like, Mm. people will want to drive their own states, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very interesting model, and and I hope that it works out that way, because I want all of it, and I'm sure many people do. So I will buy every expansion, because I want all of the US in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I I am going to be a paying customer for years on this because it's like i said this just feels like a little therapy session a little bit of downtime meditation time in a way that no other game is so i just it's funny to think that you know whatever it was a year and a half ago i was totally laughing at the idea that truck simulator games were even a thing and now i'm like i am the number one fan like mm-hmm. waving a foam finger with a little cap on like dun, dun, honking my virtual horn like this is the best today's episode is also brought to you by hover the best way to buy and manage domain names i'm currently setting up a new project right now and i needed to buy a few domain names for it i went to hover for that obviously, because it's the only place to go because they make it so easy. I knew what I was looking for. I just typed in the words and it gave me a bunch of options. I was able to select them, add them to my cart. Simple. They have all of the TODs you expect. I got .com and .fm because it was what I was looking for. But they have .co, .me, and they have all of the crazy new TODs too if you want them. Customer support is super important to Hover. They have a no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support policy. If you give them a call... 
you are going to get through to somebody. They have fantastic prices on their domains. Their .com domains start at $12.99. And they include free Whois privacy, so your personal information stays personal and private. Something that I loved, I was setting up a Hover domain with a Squarespace website. I was able to use Hover Connect to very simply and easily just press a couple of buttons and have my domain pointed to my Squarespace site. I didn't need to copy and paste tons of text and codes and put them all in in various places. I was just able to use Hover Connect to make it happen. No more DNS record madness. So go to hover.com and try them out. They should be your domain provider too. Use the code CAMPAIGN at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com. Show your support for Cortex and of course Grey Hurley 2016 and Relay FM. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show. I've expressed on our show a desire that I have for me and you to drive this game together <sighs> at some point. Uh, the European Truck Simulator had a multiplayer mod. I imagine that it's coming for America Truck if it hasn't already. You have expressed desire to not do this. No, I have no interest in doing this. But what you did do was take a drive with hundreds of other people behind my back. And you Twitch streamed. Okay, it's not it's not behind your back. It's just a thing that I did. I announced it on Twitter. I don't think that counts as behind your back. It is. You didn't tell me. I didn't <laughs> know it happened. I don't, I don't understand your emotional feelings towards this. Well, like, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> No, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a totally, it's a totally different thing. It's a totally different thing to do a Twitch stream. Than... So you did this one time, right? <laughs> and set up a YouTube channel, and you, you went CGP Play, which is very funny. Um, and you streamed a two-hour video. If you haven't done it since, did you enjoy the Twitch streaming? Are you ever going to do it again? Okay, so a little, little bit of a backstory here. Uh, as we mentioned, the year of less earlier one of the things that that we haven't really talked about on the show that i have been super successful with under the theme of the year of less is not thinking about or working on side projects that would require constant attention this is a thing that used to take up a bunch of my time and has taken up none of my time since january like i have this very clear set of rules in my mind now about what kind of projects make sense for me to work on and what kind of projects make no sense for me to work on and one of the things that makes no sense for me to work on is a side project that i killed which was i i had been thinking forever about doing some kind of video game related youtube channel Uh, i went so far as i have a bunch of scripts that were written that were reviews of video games like i had this whole thing that i was kind of working on and CGP Play was this YouTube channel I had set up a long time ago as like the placeholder for this eventual project. It was that channel that was one of the things that kind of led to some of these initial thoughts about like, what are you doing, man? Like, even if this is successful, great. Like now you just have a whole bunch more work for yourself for this other thing. I did upload it to this CGP Play channel simply because like I thought, oh, okay, well, I'm I, like, I've killed this project. I'm never actually going to do anything seriously on it. But I, I have I happen to have set up for myself like this little place that works for video game related stuff if I ever want to put it up. So so that's why it's there. That is a tiny peek into like an abandoned side project that will never be. But uh, sort of incidentally saw the light of day because of this. What's that sound? Oh, that's a bunch of Reddit comments. I can hear them. I can hear the Reddit comments just coming in. They're flooding in. Hey, Gray, 
please do a, a YouTube video game channel. I, I can hear them. They, they're, they're very loud. I don't think there's going to be any comments about that. Don't you don't think that? No, there's not going to be right. a single comment about no? it. No? Okay. Demands for a video game channel. Nope, it's not going to be. <laughs> Listen to me, listeners. There's not going to be a single comment about it. It's just going to be tumbleweeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I did this. I did this Twitch stream partly because it was one of these things that like it just it just kind of struck me i was in the mood to try to do something just a little bit different and it was one of these things as well like as you get older in life Mm. i think it's important and valuable to not just like dismiss or cut off experiences of like what the young kids do these days and so video game streaming is this thing that has always seemed like kind of ridiculous to me like i sort of get it but i just sort of don't and so I wanted to do a Twitch stream entirely just because. Like, first of all, can I just set this up? Can I get this working? And like, let me experience the subjective nature of what it is to do a Twitch stream. And the answer was, at least for the first one, it was so hilarious that there are sections on that video where you don't hear anything because what's happening on my end is I am laughing so hard that it's silent laughter where there's tears streaming down my face. Laughter circuits broken, like error, error, right? And it was just too <laughs> funny um, because you can't see it on the screen, but like people make jokes and the whole, just the whole situation seemed absurd. Like at one point, I don't know, there, there were like 300 people watching and it turned out like I was the number one live streaming American truck simulator player. <laughs> but like I didn't, I didn't set it up right. So the video didn't have any title. It was just like untitled stream and all like <laughs> I had just done everything wrong. And the whole thing was just ridiculous. But the thing I love about the internet is like people make really funny jokes when they're in semi-anonymous situations. Like that's just the way humans work. And so people were talking to me over text and I was kind of talking back and the whole thing seemed absurd. And I cannot really talk when I'm playing video games. And so if you watch the stream, you will see like the truck is swerving all over the place. Like you're horrific. It's the worst driving I have ever seen. Yeah. Like you're just going down a highway, just snaking the thing. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. As, as someone pointed out, there's a point in the middle where what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to like eat my lunch while I'm driving. And there's a point at which I have to take my hands off the controller to, to open up this this protein bar that I was eating. Tons of people point out like the driving all of a sudden becomes way better when I just take my hands off the wheel <laughs> and when I'm actively trying to drive the truck. But it's, it's just because I can't talk and play the game at the same time. Like these seem to be mutually exclusive areas of my brain. I just want to double check something. You set off the wheel. You haven't got a wheel, have you? No, I don't have a real wheel. Okay. Sorry. I know you wanted one, so I wanted to just yeah, update I, I don't, on that. Well, I want a wheel. I want a VR headset. You know, I want, I want a motion simulator machine. Like, I want all of these things. You want a VR headset? Uh, this is something I was interested in finding <laughs> out from you if you were interested in VR, and it sounds like you are, Gray. I don't know. I don't know, Mike. Maybe, maybe. Mm, that's going to, uh, that's going to, we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that. VR is going to be a thing later this year, guys. You can wait for that. Oh, man, I'm so excited <laughs> about the PSVR because I don't have a desire to buy a multiple thousand dollar Windows PC to use an Oculus, I'm afraid. <laughs> You'll give it eventually, I'm sure. Mm, maybe. But yeah, so it was a thing I did and it was fun. And so, I played American Truck Simulator with a bunch of people. But that is fundamentally different 
from just doing some kind of multiplayer game with you. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's just totally wrong. Yeah, feel no. right. It's not what mm-hmm. I want out of my video mm-hmm. gaming experience at all. Is is Mike right there next to me, making me feel uncomfortable with his presence? Won't be somebody sitting in the truck with you. It'd be in a different truck. I just just want to drive on a highway by myself into the sunset. That's what I want to do. Before we wrap up today, yeah, OmniFocus. We should we should revisit something with OmniFocus. Okay, yeah, we do have to mention this. <laughs> we can't not, right? This Otherwise, there will be so many tweets that I just don't want to deal with. <laughs> yeah. So after the show went out, um, Ken Case, who is the CEO of the Omni Group who make OmniFocus, uh, issued a public statement, uh, basically saying that you know, based on our show. Uh, they are working on something that they think will make you and Cortex listeners very happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then subsequently, over the next couple of days, what they have announced is a kind of scripting that is being done in OmniFocus, like a templating that they're putting into place, which you will execute in an external application, which will allow you to create project templates inside of OmniFocus. And they're taking advantage of a bunch of features inside of iOS uh, that people use, like callback URLs and stuff. And I'll, I'll put a link to a kind of a post written by Ken Case on, on, on the, the OmniFocus kind of forum about this. Yeah. This is a little bit over my head, what's going on here. Yeah, there's two, there's two things that are occurring here. Right? There's two separate things here. It's, it's a little bit complicated, but what you said there is they have a URL scheme that they have built. URL schemes are how automation was first done on iOS back in, I don't know, iOS 7 or 8 days? I don't remember yeah. when this was around then. That was where it really started to kick off. Basically, they are a way for apps to talk to each other. And, and so what OmniFocus has made available is this URL scheme. And what this means is that other apps can now talk to OmniFocus in more specific ways than what we were discussing last time about just being able to add something to the inbox. So they built a URL scheme that contains data for like start date, defer date, uh, and a bunch of other um, pieces of information that can be included here. So this is in beta for them, meaning that other applications can then start to develop their own things to work with this. And presumably, fingers crossed, hopefully, uh, Workflow will be one of the apps that will do something like this. So just like as we were discussing last time, Workflow has this plugin for to-do that allows you to write scripts and to automate a bunch of stuff so that Workflow can talk to to to-do. Hopefully, that is something that will be coming at some point in Workflow for OmniFocus, that they can build in a way to talk to OmniFocus in a in a scripted, programmable manner. I mean, that that's what I want because the, the way that they're doing it right now is basically you're writing out the script by hand and I can't really wrap my head around this really easily. Yeah. But I can with Workflow. So what, what you're touching on there is that there's, there is a second totally unrelated thing that is also happening at the same time, which is that OmniFocus is building in a direct understanding of like task paper so that you can write out a project in task paper format and have a program like editorial which understands task paper feed that into omnifocus 
This is a separate thing. It requires like a, a separate script to convert uh, task paper into OmniFocus. What is task paper? I would say the one sentence description might be task paper is markdown for to-do lists. It's a way to specify very basic to-do lists uh, just using a few symbols. Okay. So you have a text file and you would say something like encryption video project and then you put a colon and that's an indication like this is a project. And then you do return space hyphen and then you start typing out like task one and hyphen task two hyphen task three. Kind of like a programming language for to-do lists. Yeah, the very basicest, yeah. most simplest one ever. Like how Markdown is a simplified version of HTML. That's exactly it. Uh, th that, that's what task paper is. Now, I have never used task paper because it's just way too simple for my needs. If I was going to go text-only task manager, I would go for org mode. Call out to all the Emacs people out there. Give me a high five. I have no idea what you're saying. Like, these words. Don't you worry your pretty little head about it, Mike. Okay. <laughs> So I've never used task paper, but I've been aware of it. And I think this is a really interesting thing that Omni is doing uh, because it allows you to have a text file that can be the representative of a project. Like this text file is the template for what I want to do. Now, unfortunately, because I am in the middle of this huge animation push, like I saw that this was available. Uh, Ken Case was nice enough to get me invited into the beta, which I immediately accepted and I wanted to play around with a little bit. The only thing I was able to do was just get it on my phone, confirm that I could run the example one that they did, like he had a little three line uh, example. So I just got that installed. I wanted to see like, can I get this to work? Boom, okay, great, it installs. I would love to play around with this more. This is, this is exactly the kind of thing that I should be talking about in more detail on Cortex, but because this has come in the middle of my huge animation push, I was able to give this like exactly 20 minutes of my attention on one of my breaks. So unfortunately, I can't speak fully about it right now, uh, but you can be sure that after the video is up, after I zen out my brain on American Truck Simulator, then I'm going to be giving this a lot of my attention and seeing if it will suit my needs. I think that's the right kind of way to look at it because it is in beta, it is real early. People were putting it through its paces. I think if you tried to do it now, your opinions would be very different to what they might be in a couple of weeks' time as some of the bugs are being ironed out. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just very quickly tried like one modification and immediately ran into a problem. And I was like, you know what? I can't even start down this road of thinking about it all. Like just, just you know, abort, abort, come back later, come back later. And also, as, as we have discussed slightly before, I am uh, increasingly more reluctant as a person to be running super important parts of my life on, on beta software. But I can definitely say like Omni Group, you definitely have my attention with this and uh I, I can't wait to play around with it a bit more and uh i'll let uh i'll let cortex listeners know uh what the result is once i've been able to do that and uh our campaign continues to march on as we're pushing for more ipads in every home and more automation in every app oh is that is that part of the uh gray hurley 2016 campaign yeah it's part of the manifesto it's part of the platform. Okay. Yeah, so it's our campaign platform is iPads in every home, automation in every app. Great. I love it. Sold. <laughs> Gray Hurley 2016.